Hey y'all. So while I was recording this live with Caleb and Garrett, uh, I don't know if it was to the, due to the booze or just the riveting conversations as we were all over the place, but I completely forgot to plug our podcast sponsor, Casey. Uh, so that's what this is going to be. A little insert plug here. Obviously we, pre- we preach a lot of stuff on this podcast and on this show, uh, but financial well-being is something that's really important to us. It's really important, you know, to be able to pursue your passions, pursue hunting. And whether it's a primary home, a vacation spot, investment property, if you guys just want a little market update on what interest rates look like, you know, what kind of projections and stuff, Casey Burns would be happy to help. And that would be your guy. He's the guy that I use for all my home buying. He's who Perry uses. He's who Evan uses. John and Andrew. Everybody I recommend, you know, to, to buy a house. Casey's the guy and he makes everything so easy. Perry, you want to talk a little about your experience? Yeah, my experience with Casey was absolutely first class. The great thing about him is he really has an understanding and he makes it incredibly easy to digest the information that you need to know to, you know, figure out, you know, what what your decision making process looks like when you're when you're talking about something as significant as um, financing a home, looking at investment property, um, whatever it is, he makes it incredibly easy. Um, he's just a, he's a first class dude. He's a guy, you know, we've known for years. I know you've known him for, for a long time and we all recommend people that are, you know, are interested in whatever their, their financing needs are. Go look up Casey cause, um, he's been a big help to us and, and yeah, you should, you guys should definitely go check him out. Known Casey for 10 years. I only recommend him. I only have him on as a sponsor because he's somebody I know and trust and that I would be willing to trust with my friends, family, and then all of our listeners. So, you know, we don't just bring sponsors on willy nilly. We bring on people that we have a relationship with, that we've worked with, and that we know and and that we trust because that's the biggest thing to us. So we can't recommend him enough. Go check him out. Give him a call. Get a quote, whatever. You know, if it's not, it doesn't even have to be if you're buying a home. If you want to refinance, if you're sitting there, and you bought your house a few years ago and your interest rates a little higher right now we're at record lows for interest rates. So just call, see what he can do for you. He'll run your credit or he doesn't even have to run your credit. He can just do an initial look and kind of see and give you an estimate of what you might be looking at. And it's definitely worthwhile. It's worth a 10 minute phone call. So if you want to give him a call, give him a call at 919-710-1864 or shoot him an email at casey.burns at primelending.com. And you can also go check out his website, check out all of his reviews from all of his uh, former customers at www.closewithcasey.com. Thanks, guys. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke. And I don't have Perry with me today, but I've got two yahoos from the team, Garrett and Caleb. What's going on, y'all? Hey, what's up, Luke? Yeah, sorry Perry's not here, but I'll be the new Perry for this one. Hell yeah. So I'm actually down in Texas. I did a, just did a pig hunt, and Garrett and uh, Caleb live in Houston, so it worked out. Finished up my hog hunt, came down. We met up, got some, some, some brunch at a seafood buffet that we had to drive like four hours to get to. I was going to say, you say we live in Houston like we live next to each other. Houston's bigger than Connecticut. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, we live in Houston about two hours apart. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, pretty close. I think, uh, this, this is Caleb, by the way, but I think uh, myself and Garrett live a good hour 15, yeah. hour 30 without without traffic, maybe. 
Without yeah, if, if we're lucky. You have to skirt downtown. If you go through downtown, you're fucked. Yeah. Like, oh, you're going to be there screwed, forever. Man. You're screwed, man. You're I was telling uh, Luke on the way here, I used to work out at uh, Roman Iron down in League City, which is uh, where Garrett's out of. And I had worked uh, 10 miles from Roman Iron in Houston, but whenever I would go work out there, it was an it was still an hour drive due to traffic to go 10 miles. And ultimately, I just couldn't do it because... It was just too too much sitting around, not even not even driving. It was just too much sitting around to go ten miles. It's there was a sorry. No, go ahead. There was a picture they posted of forty five on Facebook a couple of years ago. It was like from the groundbreaking. They were like, Oh, this is the the day they broke ground on forty five and it was in the woodlands and they were cutting back trees and somebody commented and was like, Yeah, and they haven't stopped since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like I mean, I've only been in the Springs area for a little while, but the Springs is huge. So North Springs up near like the Air Force Academy to get down to where I am in the southeast. It's I mean it's a solid forty five minutes and it's it's ridiculous. And if you have traffic on twenty five because twenty five runs between basically the entire front range north to south and the traffic because of the construction there and talking to people that have been there, construction's been going on for like the last five years. Mm-hmm. It's oh, crazy. Man. They're trying to widen the whole road. <clears throat> Eventually, you're just going to have one giant city from Springs all the way to Denver. All those areas in between are starting to explode. Well, that's what's happening with Houston. Is Houston's just getting bigger and bigger, and it's it's taking away a lot of the hunting, especially like for ducks. Between Houston and Louisiana, and kind of over towards Beaumont, you've got all these all these refineries and stuff. And as the refineries grow and money's brought in, there's obviously people that got to go work them, and so they, you know provide subdivisions housings and it's just pushing all the rice out because people buy up that land they want to live on it and the birds that were here a hundred years ago that come through like the flyway got split the katie flyway got split like the the birds are staying north and the birds are going east and west they're not coming really through houston anymore and there's probably like five to eight years of good duck hunting left and i say good as in good comparative to this year and last year not 10 years ago because we're just not getting those bird numbers here anymore there's just there's not room for them because all their habitat's gone it's unfortunate when we were driving out here caleb was just looking and he's like hey yeah there's a ton of deer here and here and there used to be a bunch here and then now i mean it's all you know clear cut and they're putting in more industrial parks and all this other shit as everything expands and it's happening everywhere i mean you're seeing this massive development boom Everywhere, which I mean, is good from economic growth standpoint, but and it it is good from you know property values and investments and all that. Like it's, it's something that's necessary. Like I'm a real estate investor, very low level one, so I appreciate that. But at the same time, we've got to find that balance of the protection between our you know wild our wild places and in our natural our natural places, and then access and everything else. And in Texas, you guys have it even worse because what is it, like two percent public lands, and even those are still getting sold. Yeah, I. I believe so. It's uh, the the public land um, down here isn't that great compared to as it was shit. Probably even something as close as twenty years ago. Um, even this past this past hunting season up at our national forest in uh, the same Houston, dude. They they probably sold off a good thousand acres just for a, a neighborhood, or if not more than that. Um, there's two new, two new neighborhoods being put in. With custom homes, people want half-acre lots or or at least two-an-acre lots. So, 
Dude, it's just it's insane, man. I give it fifty years before what what was left of the Sam Houston if we don't. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know how you'd go about it, but that that'll be the last little bit of um, public county land, I think, on this this side of town for sure. Is that that Texas Grand Ranch that's like up by Conroe, that area that backs up to the forest? Yeah, it is. Okay. It's like the Texas Grand Ranch, and then you had um, the uh, I believe it's called the uh, Grand Grand Parkway. Oh, so you keep putting your hands in front of your oh, face. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah you my bad. Put your hand in front of your mouth. Oh, and sorry, man. Yeah, I get ner- I get nervous. I'm, Dude, I'm scared. The first time you talk on a podcast, it's He's a little nerve wracking. People watching him right now. He's got to drink another beer. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The, the the Texas Grand Ranch. Um, there, there's a couple other neighborhoods which they're beautiful neighborhoods. I would, if I had X amount of dollars, I would invest in them 100. percent But I'm a hunter, so I don't have X amount of dollars. <laughs> it all goes into hunting. <laughs> yeah. Percent. Well, back to that the the land thing that we were talking about. Remember that the road that you took to get here from forty five. Mm-hmm. If you would have taken a left and gone under the interstate and gone the other way, there's a patch in between all these subdivisions that still got cows on it. It's probably 100, 150 acres. I was driving past it the other day because I was going to look at a house, and I looked to my left, and there are three eight points, like just grazing with cattle. So I pull up on X and I'm like, what the fuck? who owns this place? Can I go hunt this next year? Like what's going on? And I look and it's just like houses, houses, houses. And then it's just like this one thing that's owned by this investment group. You saw three, eight points just standing there next to each other. Just like could have hit them with a stick from the highway. And, and I looked around them. They've got nowhere to go. They can't get out. Yep, that's- and they're just stuck. Cause they got built around. And I guess when, the development was coming in they didn't take the right path and now they're just there yeah it's it's wild you get these like habitat islands within the cities and it's you know you might have a quarter acre a half acre and then if it's they're within close proximity you'll have little basically rat trails where the deer will move in and out a lot of times through lawn subdevelopments eat all the shrubbery and stuff and it's good in in areas that have urban archery i think that's a, a great tool for management and then also for hunters to be able to get get out but Caleb was telling me that you guys can't do urban archery at all and you can't get caught <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can do whatever the hell you want yeah. to do yeah ur- yeah caught. urban archery man um I actually looked into that because uh there's a couple of places around my house that general developers have bought um and they hadn't done anything with it yet like you can look on on x it's not developed um as of like maybe last month, but as you've dro- you've driven down that way towards 59 from 99, you're going east. Um, all those spots are getting cleared out, right, to make make room for neighborhoods. But I had called the game warden one time. I'm like, hey man, uh, I see a bunch of deer, a bunch of pigs over here. Do we have like urban archery permits? And he just kind of laughed and he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, I know that some states do urban archery. I was like, do we do we do that? And he's and he uh, he just kind of laughed. He goes, no, no, we do not. And I was like, why why not? Because people um, people buy these these houses and these new developments, and then they start complaining about deer and pigs being in them. And I'm like, you got to understand, these animals live. They they're used to coming to this spot. Yeah, and that was their home. <laughs> yeah, and, and just because you put a put a house up like. They're still gonna come here, whether you like it or not. So in my in my head, I'm like, well, shit, man. Like, if I can get some free meat out of it and not 
break any rules or anything. Um, I'll look into it. So I, I looked into it ultimately, and, and it's a no-go. I felt like an idiot, and I was like, well, bitch, I, you ain't, I ain't going to tell you what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine, though, like driving through a neighborhood that's broken up into quarter and eighth acre lots and driving around, and you're just like, you see a guy, like, it's like a potted plant, but it kind of moved weird. And it's just a guy, like, sitting there with a bow, <laughs> waiting for something to walk by at, like, dusk. And he's oh, just like, my. hey, and, like, shush. Yeah. <laughs> you oh didn't God. see me. <laughs> so, Fort Benning, uh, they've got containment area hunting, which is around all the, the buildings and the residential areas. Oh. So, I actually was able to hunt in my neighborhood when I was at Benning. It's, it's bow only. You've got to go do a qualification. You've got to, it's pretty a, much a joke. It's like 30 yards, three arrows within a pie plate. You know, or a paper plate. You know, or just, it's two out of three arrows within a paper plate, and people fail it. It's like maybe you shouldn't be bow hunting, man. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I got that, and then it was pretty cool. I got to do a lot of hunting, just you know, four hundred meters from my house. So it, it's definitely a viable option, and I know you can hunt in Atlanta. There's a lot of really big deer. There's a couple of groups on uh, Instagram of guys that that hunt in and around Atlanta, and they get permission, and they kill some monster bucks. So what ends up happening is a lot of these municipalities have to pay trappers or like for the pigs or pay basically like shooters to come in to cull these animals and so instead of opening up to hunters that are going to then pay for their permits pay for their tags all that stuff to where the state's going to generate revenue they end up just paying somebody else to kill the animals and so i don't understand why we don't use hunters more as a management tool in those areas especially in a state like texas well well they do and so golf courses hire them and then just literally maybe 150, 200 yards to my left is NASA. There's this big field out there and it's got a high fence on it. I mean, it's a, you know, it's NASA. You can look out there and there's a bunch of deer out there and they hire, you know, some snipers that have, you know, rolled out that are looking for a quick buck and literally both ways. And <laughs> they take those deer out and they, they, I don't think they take them all out. I think they keep them to a, certain level to where they're not messing with stuff but in front of it's this giant ass field and behind it's this guy that has this farm that's been there for 100 150 years or whatever it's his family farm and they keep trying to get him to sell and he's like nah man i'm gonna let this appreciate <laughs> like y'all gonna buy it one day but not while i'm here <laughs> like but i mean they they bring him in to do that yeah and, and that's that's kind of my point is they they do they have to pay other folks to come in to do it instead of having hunters pay them oh yeah yeah you know what i'm saying they can open that up in the state especially i understand on the private you know golf courses and that sort of thing they might not want to be you know swinging johnson out there slinging arrows on the 18th hole but <laughs> well that's the government just throwing money at a problem yeah. instead of looking for an efficient well, solution in, in california they outlawed mountain lion hunting and they kill more mountain lions now than were killed during the hunting season but they just do it through paid government contracts where the guys go out and they have to shoot these these cats and so it's like so now, you know, nobody can hunt a mountain lion. You're still killing the same or not more, and now it's costing taxpayers dollars. It's just this whole backwards mindset just because of the optics, because people don't understand what these things look like. And so it, it, it's definitely frustrating, but I think it just comes down to education and having conversations about it and, and folks needing to know what the reality on the ground is. Because everybody – it's kind of like what we were talking about. With, we were talking about the wolves earlier, mm-hmm. and everybody is kind of – it's a very polarizing subject with the wolf reintroduction in Colorado. And at first I didn't really have any sort of problem with it until I got to Colorado and started to understand what all that looked like and talked to 
you know, some kind of old school hunters and ranchers that had been around for a long time. And we had some good, good conversations. And I kind of realized like, damn, like maybe this isn't, isn't the best thing to just drop 250 wolves from Canada in the middle of fucking Colorado and elk country. I still can only think about that cartoon with the moose sitting there looking up at the wolf. And then it just, and he throws up a knife. <laughs> He's just like <laughs> looking at an airdrop wolf with a parachute on. Just coming I, in. I think, I think the, the biggest thing with that is a uh, competency levels of the average hunter, man. If you look out here, um, at, at the same at the same Houston opening, I, I believe it. I'll say opening weekend, opening week, whatever you want to consider it. There's like one to three people that die every year due to incompetency on rifle shooters alone. So I can kind of understand why they don't want just the average Joe Schmo to come out there <clears throat> to uh, to hunt these deers, especially on like these private institutions. Like like you said, Garrett, NASA has a plot of land. Um, which you don't want some random dude swinging it. Oh no, because there's traffic like right behind. Oh you. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, um, that's that's too easy just to run a vetting process, like right, yeah. like have some sort of hey, you got to yeah. do a qualification shoot, or you have to take a, a week long course where you learn some basics of of you know hunter ethics. You set some rules and regulations around it, and then you monitor and enforce it. And then you know, obviously, if somebody abuses it, they're dismissed and they're not allowed to come back. Because it's, I mean, that's ex- essentially what you're doing with the. the shooter contractors anyways right exactly that you're vetting them you're taking them out there you're giving them left and right limits then sending them on their way because like in the smokies they've got guys who sold they call them pig stickers you know they make like you know 20 grand a year whatever and they go up there and they just trap and kill pigs they'll go up into the national park with suppressed 556 or something and running traps and then shooting them with thermals and shit i got uh i wouldn't call it an argument just more of an education lesson with a guy the other day that we had a cigar lounge, we're just hanging out, and we just had different political views, and we were just talking. And uh, he was just like, "Man, I don't understand why anybody would ever need an AR-15." I forgot what shirt I was wearing, but I think I was wearing a, a black rifle shirt. And uh, I was like, "Well, I, I was like, have you ever shot one?" He goes, "No." I was like, "Well, I was like, have you ever been in a stressful situation?" And he was like, "Well, yeah." I was like, "Well, what kind?" And I was like, "I pulled up an article. I guess it was a." two years ago there was a lady in chambers county that got in her backyard got overrun by pigs and then i pulled up a picture of a game camera from my place and there's like 40 hogs just under one feeder just there and it's the time stamps on it where it covered like eight hours they were just sitting there under that feeder waiting for it to go off if you walk up on one and you scare it and it turns on you those tusks will cut you. They just cut you up. And people that haven't ever been around livestock or anything like that don't understand. It's not just wild pigs like that that will do that. Pigs in general will eat whatever's in front of them. If you watch The Wizard of Oz, when Dorothy fell into the pigsty, her uncles flipped shit and got her up immediately because they knew it was go- they were going to eat her. And that was their nature. Now, he was like, well... Well, so you you have one. I was like, I uh, I'm not at liberty to say what I do or do not have, but I may or may not. I used to have. One. Yeah, I had that boating accident. I uh, <laughs> I I sold it years ago. Sorry, I don't have the receipts. I don't know who I sold it to. Uh, it's just gone. I don't know what to do. With, I donated the money to charity. I just, I forgot the charity though. <laughs> and it uh, but he was like, okay, well, 
why can't you shoot those one time? I was like, if I shoot one of them and the other 39 get pissed off and come at me, I don't know if I got that time to reload. Like, but if I can pump, you know, 20, 30 rounds into that pile and not have to worry about my mom walking to the stand in the dark in the morning, you know, like it's, it's a safety thing. And he's like, well, I would understand why you would need one. He's like, I don't understand why anybody. I was like, well, that's because you don't know what everybody's got going on in their life, nor is it your business. Well, that's the thing is, I mean, there's a lot of things I don't need. I don't need a truck. Well, that's arguable, I guess. But I mean, I don't. Well, yeah, you're, you're running a marathon, so what do you need a truck for? You should just sell that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like what do, you know? And so that's that. To me, that that whole argument has nothing to do with anything. There's a lot of shit I don't need. But at the end of the day, we I mean, we don't need to go to a big. We could go down the gun control rabbit hole all day long, and how silly that is. But. You know, the AR-15 is, it's good for some things, it's poor for others. Like, you know, hunting with a, an AR-10, 308, lugging that thing through the, wolves, through the woods. Like, for some reason, everybody in the Army wants to turn that into their hunting rifle. And I'm like, dude, that is a heavy-ass rifle. Oh, yeah. Like, there is no reason. Like, just get you a regular bolt gun, hunt with that. Don't hunt with an AR-10. Now, if you're shooting bench and you're just wanting to pop, you know, put a thermal and then pop pigs at night, out like out here, or coyotes, sure, it's great. You know, quick follow-up shots. Whatever. I mean, I have a allegedly could possibly before that boating accident had a couple AR different AR-15s in different configurations, and plus they're just fucking fun. So like, who gives a shit? But it's a tool like anything else, and it, it's how you use that tool. You can kill somebody with a fucking hammer. Doesn't mean we need to you know get rid of all hammers. Having the right tool for the right job, just like you know working on your truck, you, you need the right fucking tool. It's the same thing with with hunting or with anything else. Predator control, predator management, or just plinking, and an AR-15 is just another tool. And plus, everybody acts like an AR-15, like a five-five, like a, the the bullet itself. A, it's point two two three. A twenty-two long rifle is point two two. They're like the same size bullet. You've got a little, you got a, you know a lot more powder on a two two three or a five-five-six, but it's still not a powerful cartridge at all. Every hunting rifle, every single hunting rifle has significantly more power than a than a 5.56. Do you think it's the casing that scares people? Like the actual brass casing that no, people... I, I think it's the fact that it's black, it has a pistol grip, and it has a 30-round magazine. And then I think it's a lot of media propaganda and politicians that don't know what the hell they're talking about when they discuss them. That's my biggest thing. If somebody, if somebody was anti-gun and they could approach it from an educated standpoint to where they actually could... If a single person who's anti-gun could just talk about it and used the right fucking terms, and knew the magazine capacity, that knew the capabilities, that knew the weapon system, I would we could at least have a discussion. But when they start talking about it from like, this shoots 40 rounds a minute, and you pull the trigger, and six bullets comes out, and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like, wait, where do you get that? Yeah, like, <laughs> is that for sale? Because I want one. That sounds pretty fucking cool. And so, if everybody could just have a... a you know, I don't. I'm not going to get into a debate. I mean, maybe I will if I'm trying to pick a fight. But you know, usually I'm not going to get into a legitimate debate with somebody on a topic I know nothing about. Yeah. And so, you at least educate yourself on what you're talking about. And, and nowadays, everybody has an opinion on shit, and they have no idea what's going on. Same with hunting. Same with you know firearms and everything. I like when people give me opinions on lifting, and they don't look like they can make it up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some guy that weighs 140 pounds wants to like correct your deadlifting form <laughs> hey man you really rounded your back on that last lift well it was, it was 550 pounds bro it's pretty heavy it's hard to keep a straight back with 550 pounds the uh the last thing I'll, I'll put on this gun this gun topic real quick before we i'm sure we're going to jump to another topic real quick but uh i was on deployment 
and uh, one of my juniors brought up. I think this was whenever the 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 first controversy of semi-automatic rifles came up and like how it shouldn't be allowed in in the public use. Um, uh, he he brought up you know he very educated kid brought up statistics on it and I was like hey man I I see your point I do see it I don't agree with it and he's like well why not and I was like and I told him I brought up a semi-automatic hunting rifle and I go you understand that these are both semi-automatic same trigger drop in same everything they shoot the same rate of fire I was like if I wanted to I could probably put the same magazine in this a thirty round magazine in this brown stock woodstock rifle. I was like, you know what? I was like, but they shoot the same. They yeah, shoot it's like the- a Ruger Mini 14 with a five round magazine. You show people a picture of that, and nobody get like they're cool with it. Yeah. But then you show them a picture of an AR 15, or you show them a picture of the Mini 14 with the like a you know a Tapco chassis with the pistol grip and a 30 round magazine. They freak out, and it's like you realize there's no difference. It's the exact same weapon system. Exactly, and that that's kind of the point that I hit. I showed them pictures. I was like, these two guns. One was a, a I don't know, you'd call it a decked out, like, Playboy gun. And the other one was just your average, like, what my grandfather used to, to shoot chickens or, or whatever he wanted to shoot. And um, Caleb's if he, grandpa if he, was a real big chicken hunter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all think, the neighbor's chickens. I don't think he liked to, to get his hands dirty. Whatever. Like, shoot squirrels <laughs> with, I guess, is what I should have used. But, uh, but, like, it just blew his mind because he wasn't thinking of it on that on that spectrum right um he thought about it big picture like oh this gun looks scary so hey, not not that he agreed with the gun rules but he could see what people were saying i'm like there's no difference yeah exactly yeah going back to the you know you're supposed to be using the guns of today's past that's all fine and good don't be pissed off when you see me with a red wagon behind a side-by-side with a gatling gun in the back rolling 30 miles an hour around my property chasing pigs. Exactly. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that'd be a pretty good time mowing down I mean, some hogs with really a Gatling fun. gun. We should figure out how to do that. Yeah, can you rent a Gatling gun? If anybody knows, let me know. Oh, I think I think we can weld a bunch of ARs together. circle. Yeah, I think it's doable. Uh, we'll, we'll call that the poor man Gatling gun. <laughs> we'll get the HLE brain trust on it. What could go wrong? Uh, all right, Luke. What's what, what do you want to hit on today? Yeah, man. Let's. Uh, sure, we're already fucking almost thirty minutes in. We haven't even gotten to any of the meat and potatoes that we we're going to talk about. But um, that's fine. We'll just keep rolling. So I figured we can talk about. You just knocked out your first bodybuilding competition, right? Yes, sir. And then you know, Garrett's been fairly recently, relatively speaking, gotten to the strongman journey. And has been kind of tackling that and just knocked out a competition actually yesterday, right? Uh, yeah, we had uh, Space City Strongest too. But going back to the bodybuilding thing, Caleb, I had no idea you were a pregnant woman. Y- yeah. Those are the original bodybuilders. So yes. Like, yeah, yeah. That's news to me. I, I wanted so. to know what it was like to be in their shoes. So I got pregnant and I won. And that's. Kind How do you of- win being pregnant? <laughs> Well, you win. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Don't. Let's not talk semantics here. <laughs> the baby was healthy. Everything. Everything was good. Yeah, a little little struggle on the birth, but like I won, so I guess that's cool. That's yeah. all you need. It's right a quick there. way to drop weight, right? It's a quick way to gain weight. <laughs> well, no. When you have the baby, you drop weight. Shit. It's like nine pounds, right? It's too much math for fucking Caleb's marine brain to handle. Yeah, I, need, I need. Listen, I need pictures and crayons. Crowns. <laughs> In like a coloring book. Caleb's getting hungry. He wants some crowns. <laughs> How are you hungry? We just left brunch. Listen. A Marine can always eat another crown. 
That's yeah, true. Yeah, smaller smaller weight. It's it's easy to fit in. But that brunch was good though. I'm glad y'all liked it. I yeah. hope it was worth the job. Oh, dude, that banana, that French toast was on point. Banana oh, Foster yeah, French Yeah, I think that was yeah. the best thing. The what was that prime rib though was pretty good mm-hmm. too. But the, the all right, I'm gonna Foster. get this back on the rails. Yeah, all fucking brunch. Yeah. All right, so but yeah. Kid, so what Space City you... Strongest Two was yesterday. We had uh, we had an axle clean and press for 60 seconds. We had a yoke uh, 120 feet. 60 seconds, but like if you need 60 seconds for that, you should, probably shouldn't be doing it. Uh, deadlift medley, axle deadlift, at wagon wheel deadlift, frame deadlift, and then conventional deadlift. And the weights obviously change like per weight class. I compete 265, which is the light heavyweight. So do the heavyweight weights, but not against guys that are outweighing me by 100 pounds. Uh, you do, though, if you go to the Arnold or any of the big shows, because then if you're heavyweight, you're heavyweight. It's over 231 or under 231. So I don't really like compete against Anthony. Uh, if he wanted to compete on the amateur circuit, he would have to compete in the up weight class. He has to compete with the heavyweights because he's a pro and the lower, so he can't obviously do amateur. Yeah. But if he wants, like him and I were talking before nationals last year, and he was thinking about doing nationals as a heavyweight which would have been fun because I mean, it's always fun to compete with your friends and he just had America's Strongest Man like backed up to it so he's like eh, I'm going to not do that and we'll focus on that which obviously it's his pro show so and it worked out because he won yeah <laughs> <laughs> just casually won yeah yeah we were talking about it. he's like yeah I'm really really hoping to do like top five and like then we talked a little bit he's like yeah I think I might have top three and then he Seth was filming my camera guy and he texted me and he's like we won and I was like Wait, what? Really? <laughs> yeah. No, and so that was actually at that Nationals. That's when Anthony and I got to talking about this because I had seen that he had got involved with HLE on Instagram. And obviously, he's in Kentucky. I'm in Texas. like, Or I guess he's in Pennsylvania now. Yeah, he was in Kentucky. And so I just was like, hey, what's that? It looks like the only three things that I do. I feel like I would be a good fit. What's going on? He was like, man, reach out to Luke. I was like, okay. And I guess it was like right at the start and whatever. And I saw him at nationals and he's like, Hey man, be sure to be like posting content. Luke's watching you. And I was like, I don't know what that means. I'm just going <laughs> to keep doing what I'm doing. He's like, all right. And then you messaged me like two days later and we got rolling. But, uh, yeah. Cause like normally, cause you had reached out at one point. I'm like, Hey, like I'm digging, digging the brand. It's like the only things I do. And I was like, and I, I mean, I get a lot of those messages and it's yeah. usually guys just wanting free shit. And, like, I don't give a fuck about follower accounts and people that ask for, uh, you know, to be a part of the team. I Usually, it's just a, it's a default. Like, no, not right now. It's not open. Like, I'm just pretty selective in who gets to come in. And I looked at your page, and I saw that the first picture that I saw was you and Jorts with a fucking alligator around your <laughs> neck. And I was like, huh, maybe this guy would be a good fit. <laughs> oh, my God. That was, a, that was the third alligator that we took out of alligator season. And so in my, my other life, I'm a technical sales engineer for a rotating equipment company. And part of my job is I take customers out on trips and I'm fortunate enough to have grown up in an area that's game rich. And I know the guys that are guiding trips like that. And I, you know, done it myself and I know what it's about, what it takes and got to take some customers on some pretty unique experiences. And 
we had, uh, we had very fortunate luck this year as compared to last year in alligator season because last year Imelda hit and just flooded the area. So none of the alligators were staying where they normally stayed. But this year it was a complete turnaround. We were fortunate enough not to have those hurricanes come through. And unfortunately, Louisiana had a completely different situation. Yeah, Their alligator season got shut down. <clears throat> anyway, so we had you know three alligators come up and for our customers and we took an eight foot a nine two and then i took an 11 11 one so my biggest alligator to date and the hard part's cleaning them <laughs> so i'll i'll take them down to porter's processing they skin them out and uh then you know they do all the meat and everything but a couple of them i did and some guys that had never done it were like hey do you need help and i'm like honestly yeah, but it's going to take a lot longer to teach you how to do it yep. and get it done than it would be if I just sat here and did it. And I, By the time I got done with it, I was exhausted. That night, I drove to Edinburgh, Texas, which is like down by Brownsville and South Padre. I had a contest the next morning. So cleaned these alligators, went, drove down to Edinburgh, competed in South Texas Strongest Man, won. I was on like four to six hours of sleep, maybe. Showed up. I set a state record in the, uh, Conan's carry there. And then luckily my buddy Jeff wanted to go because he drove. And I got to like kind of conk out in the car. And then he, we drove back. We didn't even stay. <laughs> we just <laughs> drove back up. Jeff's like, eh, you know, I kind of want to be home for a little bit before I got to go get back on the boat because he works, uh, you know, on the ocean. And so he's like, yeah, so we just did the turnaround. And that was a fun trip. But it that provides me a lot of meat because I prefer to eat. What I, kill. I don't like going to the store. Yeah. And so I eat alligator meat, I eat deer meat, pig meat. I actually got quail. I went hunting, I guess that was Friday, for quail. And so I'll eat all that. But And that's kind of what powers me and keeps me going in my training. And it's lean meat. Hell yeah. Well, that's a good, like, Caleb, with your bodybuilding stuff, for your next prep, right, you're trying to do, like, 100% wild game? Yeah, for, for my next prep, yeah, absolutely, man. If... If the charts that I found are correct, then whitetail is leaner than than any chicken you buy at the store. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. So, so my my big idea is, which is I stocked up, I stocked up this season, uh, this past season, on a bunch of deer. Man, we I had a tough but very successful season. Uh, my girlfriend got a deer. I was gifted a deer. So, dude, I came out I came out very well on top on the wild game. Um, I'd like to get another pig. Or I'd, I'd like to get like maybe two two pigs of, I don't know, decent size, hundred pound hundred pounders, and I'm gonna try for turkey too. Um, I've seen them out there. I'd like to get turkey just because you you can eat wild you can eat whitetail all day long. Eventually, you will get tired of it. Oh, for sure. Uh, as is anything. Like I get tired of freaking drinking water. That's why I drink so much beer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, so whenever it comes to to prep time next year, 2022, um, I've talked to to my current coach, and I think we're gonna roll the wild game. It, it seems like a lot of, the, and I which I didn't understand, but it seems like a lot of the top bodybuilders they prefer wild meat because of the leanness and the availability now whether they hunt it or not it's a different story but i think that kind of adds to my um my drive for it essentially like oh man i'm out here busting my ass getting this getting these animals and what's it going to turn around and do well i'm going to look fucking awesome on stage 
better than these guys that are eating chicken, you know, from the store. So that that's the ultimate goal is to get enough meat to last me and, and Allie if she preps to um, to last us a whole prep season. That's badass. That's going to be a really cool kind of experience as you roll through and get to kind of chronicle that. And we'll, we'll definitely come. You'll have you back on as you're in the middle of your prep and talk about yeah. and see how it's going and kind of you can unpack what you've learned about like what what the macros of each look like. It's hard to find. Like the big ones are easy, but like I was looking up trying to find the macros for like mountain lion. Couldn't find it. Anywhere. Not there, man. Well, I made bobcat barbacoa for a bobcat my buddy shot that's why i was crying because you asked for a bobcat and i was like it's probably got to be damn near the it's same as close, mountain right? lion yeah yeah i couldn't find either i couldn't Nothing. find any any felines we just went like i kind of used the numbers from wild pig i was like yeah they're in the same area i know that's not even a close justification it, but i was like i had nothing to go it's, i mean i've heard i've never actually eaten mountain lion but i've heard it's pretty similar to pork i would assume because it's a predator that's significantly less fat mm-hmm. so you know maybe if you cut the fat by 50, 60%, and then roll the protein was, content. The parts that I didn't use for barbacoa were very, like, stringy. But it was, the barbacoa was top-notch. It was very good. Do you just uh, take that to, like, a, a lab and have them analyze it or some shit? I don't even know how they... Yeah, I think I think you can. Like, probably same way that, because uh, we, we talked about how you used to build your own, uh, like, pre-workout, essentially. Yeah. I, I'm sure there's a lab out there that you can send. Probably A&M is probably the way to yeah. go. Have them process it. They'll... Uh, whatever they do, they burn it. Figure out how many calories it burn, like it burns at. Um, at the, I think that's how they figure out uh, macros and shit, right? Is they kind of burn it, process it, whatever it is. I don't know. They didn't cover that in engineering, so I don't know. Yeah, they definitely <laughs> didn't cover it in my fucking history degree. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. history of calories. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm sure there. I'm sure there's something you probably A and M's the way to go to figure that out. I feel it's got to be man. A and M's such a smart school. Um, yeah. Some, oh, somebody you. listening is way smarter than us three dumbasses. So if, if you guys know how that works, let me know. <laughs> Maybe we'll try to get a hold of some different meats and get those analyzed so oh, we can man, find that, the macros for That'd them. be awesome. I, yeah, it'd be I pretty, think, pretty cool. I think that'd be a good thing to, to just kind of put out like, hey, we, we shot these animals and make, just make our own chart of it and kind of push it out, you know, for the general public knowledge, man. Yeah, absolutely. That might be something I look into. Wait, so you're... Next prep is going to be a hundred percent wild game. Hundred percent. Yep. How do you hunt rice, dude? I well, you got to shoot it, man. Like, what's the <laughs> bag limit on that? Like a thousand a day? Like, I think it's a pound, a pound, pound? A, a pound a day, and I don't have to have a limit. I don't have to have like a license on it as long as I, I don't sell it. I don't know. I've got. I'll have to call my buddy Justin. He you know runs a rice farm, so <laughs> but he farms it. So I don't. I guess that's not wild rice. Maybe know. maybe a field that he hasn't like touched in a yeah. while. Go out there and, like find a couple of them. <laughs> yeah. God, it's gonna take all season. How many did you get? A bowl full. <laughs> Shit. Oh man, dude! I'll tell you what. The the hardest thing of prep, honestly, like besides the cardio, besides the the lack of calories, and then uh, while I was on prep, I was working sixty to seventy two hour work weeks, depending on the week, because yeah. it was a it was a weird rotation. I'd have. I'd have work six days straight, two days off, and then um, every like five weeks I'd have three days off. So the the weirdest thing, man, or the hardest thing was choking down rice. Yeah. Because I just I would eat my protein because I felt like that was more important to get into my system. Well, do you make rice with water or do you make it with bone broth? 
Uh, I make it with water because I'm not smart and I don't know how to make bone broth. You don't make it. You go buy it. Well, you can't make it, but yeah, you can also know. just go buy it. I have a great recipe and process for how to make wild game bone broth, so that's actually perfect. Yeah. You should stay on me to actually put that on paper because... Oh, so one of the recipes actually shows up on the page. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's been um, recipes coming soon since 2019. <laughs> yeah. We're sitting here um, 7 March 2021. <laughs> yeah, no joke, man. Soon is a relative term, so... If anybody yeah. wants to volunteer to be my recipe guy, let me know. Yeah, shit. <laughs> you need to partner with, or at least reach out to the guy from Field to Plate. That's where I got that bar- Bobcat Barbacoa recipe. And I don't know if it was you, Caleb, or another guy on the Hunt Lift Eat page that tagged me in one of his things. He was like, oh, you should use, you know, the Quad Timidator's recipe for Bobcat Barbacoa. I was like, actually, I used his. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I stole his already. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm really excited for this next prep, man. I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be what brings me over the edge of a bunch of other competitors, especially being natural right now. I, I don't plan on being natural after my next show. Um, not that there's any, there's nothing against it. There's nothing against guys that are taking a little bit of something, something on the on the side. But the reality of the sport is, you will be eventually. So, so I just want to do this next show. As natural as I can get if, I, if I'm if i healthy enough. Now, we spoke about getting my test levels checked from uh, just because I've been feeling real off. So I think my, my test has dropped significantly. Do you think that's from the kind of extreme dieting you were doing? Uh, my diet honestly wasn't that extreme, man. Um, I walked around back in 2016. My test levels were like sub 300s to 280s, which... I think the age average was like 300 of whatever said level is to 1,000 is like your average. That's a big gap in my eyes. So um, I don't even know like how they measure it. I, I don't. I don't know either, man. In your, like in your body. I, I don't know either, man. And uh, I don't. Do you, you get? do you? They take a blood test and they. Well, I know they analyze that, but I don't know like what the units like per. Because, you know, obviously, if, if somebody's going to take synthetics, it's like, it's milligrams per week. Exactly. That they're injecting, but I don't know how that's measured in your bloodstream. Like, what the, that looks like. Is it like, I'm, I don't know what the units of testosterone Yeah, are. I don't either. I'm going to do a lot of testing. If, if uh, it comes back that I do need some, like, TRT, which I'm fine with taking, whatever, it doesn't matter. I, I wish I had my blood work in front of me to, like, look at it and be like, oh, because they measure it and there's... The, the stuff that they measure has a unit beside it. I just don't have my blood working from yeah, it. Yeah, but how, like, how, where, does, where do they derive that from? I don't know. Unless they just do like... Science. <laughs> Wizardry. Yeah, so it's not crowns. So your last competition, you did pretty well, right? Uh, I would say so for a first, first show, man. I, did, um, I signed up for a true novice, which is people that have never competed before. Um, novice class, which is people that have competed but never have placed, I believe. And then uh, the open category, which is people that um, have placed. So once you place, you you can only compete in open from then on out. Um, so I just said, you know, we'll see how I go. Um, so I ended up winning true novice against five people. Turns out those five people didn't know that you could sign up for novice too. I think they would have, or a few of them would have, 
But I ended up being the only one in my novice category. Hey, one out of one ain't bad. <laughs> hey, man. Oh, it would have been bad if I got second. <laughs> what was it? What was it? Cal Naughton Jr. He's like, I know I won this on a technicality, but if you try to take this away from me, I'll, I'll punch you square in the face. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. So so I ended up uh, uh, essentially paying for this spot. <laughs> and then in the, the open category, I got second. $150. <laughs> Hey, but it's like we were talking about earlier. That, that can take you for pretty far. Just you know, seeking those out. There's that the girl we were talking about earlier that was in the the Winter Olympics that was not supposed to be there. She did not do a single trick the entire time. She just skied down the half pipe. Everybody's like, "What is she? Is is she serious?" And she got like dead last, but she never fell down. And so that's how she got there. Was. She says mediocrity the doesn't pay off. that nobody was at and yeah. did enough of them to qualify for the freaking Olympics. It, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so so first competition wasn't bad, man, for my first one. The show was super small, which I was a little disappointed with because of um, the way that the, the virus affected everything, right? So everything shut down. People's shows kept getting pushed back and pushed back. And um, I had put off my original... I was supposed to do... Um, like two different shows. It, one, the first one I think was in May. The second one was going to be in July. Well, then both of those got canceled. So it just kept pushing it back, pushing my prep back. And and I was finally, I was like, look, man, I'm I'm done prepping. Like uh, I ended up switching coaches uh, to one of my good buddies. And um, I was like, look, you have ten weeks. That's what I'm giving you. I don't, I don't. Let's get this right. I'd rather diet hard, and we'll figure it out at the end. And man, I tell you what, I'll, I'll send you some pictures later um, of like my my befores and where I started at. Within ten weeks, I I was pretty. I was probably about. I probably got down to eight eight percent body fat. My glutes weren't that striated, um, but my my core was good. My quads were good. My hamstrings, you could see it, but like. You look at some of the top level bodybuilders; they have very strided glutes, or people that have been in a competition for a while. So, so there's a uh, Garrett. Are your glutes strided? I probably not. <laughs> so there, there's like few things that you're looking for, and I just didn't have it. And I went from uh, 100 like 85 pounds down to 158. Good God! In I remember ten second weeks. Grade. That was great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like. Literally weighed that in the sixth grade. Yeah. Well, I'm also a very small guy in general. So, uh, so next year, like I'm at 200 pounds right now. Right at like I think my last weigh-in was last week. I weighed in at like 197 and a half. So fairly, fairly close to 200. Is it the best 200 pounds I could be at? Absolutely not. But am I happy with it? Like, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm glad because it says that I'm still growing and I I put on more body fat than I would like to but I'm also not taking anything so my body's like whatever you eat I'm going to store it essentially so. it's called bulk season and uh we're in the heart of it right now so you're fine <laughs> absolutely it's all Shinerbach and <laughs> yeah Shinerbach and Miller is my yeah. diet right now man oh shit and rice crispy treats and freaking Allie Allie made some uh, fruity pebble rice krispies you get to eat whenever we get back to the house oh hell yeah I'm looking forward to that dude Mariah makes me these bars uh, that I eat during contest it's just like it's oatmeal honey peanut butter peanut butter chips chocolate chips Mariah am I missing anything and I don't know what she does with it. She puts it in a pot and stirs it, heats it up, cools it down. 
and it makes me these bars, but they they get my they get me back to my level where I need to be energy wise in between events. Oh so man, I'll honey, do an event yeah. and then eat one of those things, and it's just it puts me right back where I need to be. Dude, you'll you'll be surprised what honey alone does for you, man. Like I remember wrestling back in high school, and me and my buddies like we would just be choking down honey packs. Just I thought for you were going it. somewhere different. I was like, you just put it all over your body, and you just they can't hold you. Like it's weird. Well, I mean, honey's sticky. Not, <laughs> I think they'd be able to hold you better, right? Like, yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah, it really well, it depends good. on how much. Well, yeah. it does, there is some level. Whenever we'd wrestle in the bedroom, that's what we did. But you know, we'll save that for another time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit, but uh, but Gary, you won this weekend, right? Yeah, uh, first uh, place. First place. It uh, the. The guy I was competing with, we were pretty neck and neck going into Stone. So there was more than one competitor. Yes, there was okay. more than one competitor. I'm jealous. <laughs> and we were he he played football at Auburn. Uh, he's a coach, a strength and conditioning coach up at uh, Texas A&M Commerce. And the uh, the events were just two were suited to me, two were suited to him, and then I got lucky on the event draw on that third event because the the that third one or I guess fifth one the third one that I got first in uh, was just the difference maker and it was just more suited to me the sandbags I could not get a good grip on and on my I did a rundown on my Instagram if anybody wants to go watch it uh, I talk over it what's uh, what's your Instagram handle the quad timidator like intimidator Dale Earnhardt shout out and uh, it's just quad four so and leg also, that's why. Because I used to work for Chubbies, and everybody had this fun nicknames. There was like the Lexicutioner Rooster, and I was like, well, I'm not going to wait on anybody to give me a nickname. I want this one. So I just was like, by the way, guys, I'm going to work for y'all one day. I'm the Quad Timidator. And they were like, yeah, okay. So and it just stuck. So Garrett's definitely the type of guy that would give himself his own nickname. Oh, man, my, my big question for you is on the, on the Stones um, – what determines whether you use chalk or the the sticky shit? The promoter. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> like, so I, I didn't yeah. I didn't know if there is like a, a federation guideline of how these events are ran, but it seems it, like it's so up to the if it's promoter. like if it's a stone series and you're starting at a lighter weight and you're going to heavier stones, or if you're doing stone over bar, you're typically going to get to use tacky. You really don't want to use tacky for. Stone to shoulder because that thing's gonna be sitting up against your face. You're gonna get tacky all over your face. Most people will wear a grip shirt, which is like it's got some tack built into it, but oh, it's not gotcha. like yeah. it's not like you don't get it out of a bottle and put it on your body. Uh, it depends on the contest. So if it's like an indoor contest and they're not wanting to fuck up the gym or anything, I could see them not allowing tacky because it's a bitch to get off. You got to use baby oil, WD forty, like <laughs> oh, something crap. that breaks it down to get oh, it off your body. That makes sense, yeah. And like we, I was in Denver. It was like negative five, and we did stone over bar three fifty. We're using tacky, and everybody gets done, and we go. And they're like, hey, please don't use the WD forty and shit to get tacky off. Go outside. So we're all like shirtless, wearing shorts in negative weather outside, spraying WD-40 on our body, like trying to rub it off. We're just like, oh God, just get hurt. Just trying to get it done. Like it was miserable. That sounds like an East Texas car wash to me. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, based on how you'll keep your trucks, probably. <laughs> that's the only way to get the door open. Yeah, that's how we that's how we settle anything is WD forty and some fucking duct tape. Well that's that that chart is like, is it moving? Yes. Should it be moving? Yes. Use WD forty if you need it. Yeah. Or you know, yeah, the, whatever, yeah, the no, duct tape no, one if it's not moving. Yeah. It shouldn't be moving, but is this is strongman the hardest thing you've done so far as far as like physical sports? So I played I played college ball for a year and then I ran track for two. College volleyball. He played college volleyball. It was at, yes, my butt is giant and I just played volleyball only so I could wear those shorts. <laughs> uh, which if you go look at my Instagram, you're gonna think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he played college football. And uh, I got bounced around in the positions a lot. So, like, I came in as a linebacker. I found out the coach left and went to a different school when I was already up at camp. And that I was, like, introducing myself. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm Garrett Payne, play linebacker. And the new head coach was, like, tight end. And I was like, I don't know who told you I could catch, but he lied. And so <laughs> I played tight end for, like, two days. And they are like, then we did strength tests, and they found out, you know, I was the strongest guy on the team. They're like, all right, well, maybe we should put him on line. And I was like, oh, shit. Didn't want to play line. So I did that for a little while. Then they, the center at the time, like, was fucking up. So they had me try out for center. And I did, like, three or four shotgun snaps, and it wasn't bad. And they're like, oh, yeah, this will be it. And then I realized, like, if I kept doing this, they were going to make me play that. So I just started fucking throwing them uh. to the side. Like, oh, no, I'm terrible. <laughs> I don't want to play center. Oh, so man. my best friend Trey ended up playing center. And uh, then I got moved to D line for a while, and then wing T, and then uh, to fullback for the last game. And then we went and played in Austria, and I played guard at that game. And I had to deal with the coach, like, hey, like, you know, I'll play guard in Austria, but next year I want to play D line, and I want to play one position the entire time. And he's like, all right, cool, we'll go, come back, go to go to camp. They aren't moving me to defense. They aren't moving me to defense. Uh, and I was like, yo, like, I understand, like, team, whatever, blah, blah, But uh, we had a deal. He's like, well, well, I need you on the line, blah, blah, blah. You're going to start. I was like, I don't give a shit. We had a deal. And wouldn't honor it and, it. and it was just the fun got sucked out of the game for me. And so I was like, I'm not about this. And so I quit. Kept doing track and then broke my foot after the first meet of the year. And you like, break your foot in track. Well, you do speed ladder drills because you don't know any better. Like, uh, if you're a shot putter and a javelin thrower, you know what the best thing to do is? Speed ladder because you don't know anything about training. So <laughs> <laughs> you do what you know. And I did speed ladder. So I was like, oh. And I stepped on my foot wrong and broke my foot, went and had surgery. And we had already bought tickets to Eric Church. So I got out of surgery, go back to the fraternity house. And they're like, hey, we need to deflate your cast. I was like, what? They're like, we got to hide all of our flask in your cast. <laughs> so we deflate my, I'm like hours out of surgery. Deflate the cast, shoving flask in there. And they don't question the guy that's got a boot on his foot. And so I walked in there. There's a pro tip out. for all you youngsters trying to sneak booze in Eric Church concerts. Yeah, go break your foot and wear an air cast. Or oh. be smart and just buy an air cast from Goodwill. <laughs> Dude, my, my secret was hiding jello shots into uh, like, the the what are they called Fold, the foldable chairs like the case that they go in oh and like the the cup holders no I just stuff the case like around the the chair like like your camping chairs whatever I put airplane bottles in my belt line because the big 
hyper masculine dude that's frisking you at the gate isn't gonna hang out at your belt line. <laughs> okay, so well, this sounds like a good story. A and M was playing OSU at Reliant in Houston, so of course I'm gonna go. This is a really erratic episode of this podcast, <laughs> so you guys just gotta bear with us. But <laughs> I had a special <laughs> kilt made that's A and M colors. So I have, and I have this thing about getting on the jumbotron. I love it. The camera loves me. It's wonderful. You guys know those weird guys that wear kilts everywhere? That's, Garrett is 100% <laughs> so one of those guys. So I go, it's, and it's cold, and I'm shirtless, and I've got, like, war paint on, and I'm wearing this kilt, and the kilt has pockets. My buddy Jesse made it for me. He made it from scratch. It was, it's awesome. So I've got a bunch of beer in the pockets of these kilts, and I walk up, go through the metal detector, and the guy looks at me. And he just goes, nah, like, you're good. <laughs> he didn't check anything. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Luke, did, did you play sports in, in high school or junior high? I assume you grew up playing sports. Yeah, man, I played football my whole life. Um, actually started here in Texas. I was in Copper's Cove, uh, right outside of Fort Hood. Came up playing football, played football all the way through high school. And then... I'm 5'7", so I didn't get any offers. I got a D3 school in my hometown told me I could try to walk on. And I was like, if the D3 coach is telling me to walk on, I should probably just accept the fact that it's not in the cards for me. <laughs> I also played rugby. I played rugby in, in high school and loved it and was going to try to play collegiately. Um, I looked at going to University of Tennessee. I talked to their coach. I was going for ROTC, but then I ended up transferring to Virginia Tech. was in the core of cadet. Not transferring. I ended up actually accepted – my uh, scholarship and everything to go to University of Tennessee last minute switched to Virginia Tech was in Virginia Tech they have a core of cadets so like you're it's kind of like a military school it's, it's like an A&M there's a military school within the civilian campus and so I ended up doing that played rugby very shortly and then got one of my buddies got hurt and I was like man I don't want to get hurt I gotta focus on the military in hindsight I should have just fucking played rugby <laughs> yeah. and had a good time you know like I was just the time you're a young kid you've got tunnel vision on your career and everything else and looking back it's like just enjoy it but but yeah so I didn't play rugby I kind of got out I played a little bit of men's league I've played some games here and there since then but I haven't, I haven't really played anything in like the last couple of years but I really want to get back into it once I get out of the army did you do any intramurals at uh, Virginia Tech uh no we played like rugby I don't know if that was a club sport or an intramural sport but. no so Virginia Tech has a pretty good program it's a legit it's not I don't remember all the classifications for all that shit nowadays but they play, like, the intercollegially shit, um, and their team's pretty good. They're always, like, you know, top 10, top 20 um, in the nation. The rugby program's pretty serious, and I'm short. And, like, collegiately, they wanted me to play hooker, and just like you didn't want to play center, I don't want seem like a good hooker. Yeah, I'm a great hooker. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, like, when you see a scrum, which is where everybody's, like, it's, like, the quintessential rugby thing where everybody's, like, interlocked. It's a big hug. Yeah, it's a giant hug where everybody's cranking on each other's ears and spitting and biting. The hooker is the guy that's in the middle that's trying to hook the ball with your heel. Well, since I'm so short and the props that are on the sides are usually taller than me, my feet dangle. <laughs> you can't reach the ball. <laughs> I can reach the ball, but my feet are off the ground. And then when I have the, the same scrum... issue when I sit on the bar stool. <laughs> <laughs> then when the scrum collapses, I'm like levitating as like everybody, <laughs> these giant men are falling on top oh, of me. I get claustrophobic, so that, that was not for me. So I, I sabotaged my hooking. I wanted to play flanker, which is flanker's kind of the equivalent of an outside linebacker. I played linebacker all throughout high school, and I mean my entire life I was a linebacker, and so I was very good at flanker. Just 
typically in college they're taller for not really any apparent reason because it's not I and mean, there's no significant benefit to it because you're on the outside of the scrum. Excuse me, we're Maybe sitting here the pounding, happening. Like, yeah, we're pounding Shiner box here, burping all over the place. But oh yeah, you gotta when you come to Texas, you gotta drink Shiner just for anybody that's coming 100%. to visit. I'll have to get you to get one of those uh, candy pecan ones. Oh yeah, we're we're out of regulars. So yeah, we're, the, we're busting into just yeah, break into these. Over. These are good. Doesn't matter. We're, we're breaking into them. No, so were you the guy on the line out that they tossed into the air like a cheerleader? No, so <laughs> on the line outs, I played dog, which is. The guy that's in the furthest back. That's yeah. basically just your like essentially in the football you kind of be like a spy. So I would just wait for that bushwhack, qu- that quick toss, yeah. and just smash that first guy. So coming up playing football my entire life, and then transitioning to rugby. So rugby you're playing without pads, um, but you got to relearn how to hit. You got yeah, and I never different. relearned how to hit. Oh, so you're just leading with the head the old school. Oh way, my god, I would. I gave myself like people. four concussions. I knocked myself out a game. Then I played the rest of the game. I don't remember any of it. You can see me like on tape during the line out. I'm <laughs> like, like fucking I'm, Jackie Moon. I'm going rover. Coach. Oh my god, that's I'm exactly what rover. it is. I'm I'm like playing dog, trying to stand there on the line out, and I'm like walking in circles in the wrong direction. And my scrummy runs up, like my scrum half. That's kind of like the quarterback comes up and grabs me and has to like put me back into position. And you can see my head like. No, I have Holy no idea what the fuck's going shit, on. I was man. out. That's freaking crazy. It's also, I mean, it's back, you know, what was that, 2000, shit, 2007, 2008. We didn't know anything about concussions then. So, like, my coach is like, yeah. you're fine. Shake it off. Shake your head. I, I, I passed out at the end of the game. They just, like, picked me up and, like, told me to go the on. The game's going on. You're laying on the field. <laughs> and they're running by you. Oh, uh, I was still hitting people, though. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I mean, I... Yeah, I definitely have drain, drain bramage after all that shit. <laughs> drain bramage, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, dude. I'll tell you what sport that terrifies me the most besides, like, water polo because I've been drowned a few times. But, <laughs> but, uh, but is rugby, man. I, I don't know how they keep the horses alive. Y- yeah, it's crazy, man. Like, I don't, yeah. How do you train I think them to they swim? Use, I think they use Clydesdales because they're Probably. so tall. Yeah, More horses. <laughs> no, but uh, but like I have one of the the counter intel guys that that I deployed with became good buddies with. Man, he played rugby, and one like I saw after deployment. I mean, it's how deployments go. You don't really talk to whole people unless you became close with them. But I saw him at the at the gym one day. We're we're chit chatting, and then I saw him at the chow hall. I don't know, maybe a couple weeks later, he had a rugby game, broke both of his legs, and I was like, what the like. Bro, you wanted to make this a career. You just broke both of your legs, which you probably finished the game though. Rugby people are hard, dude. I don't, I don't know, man. But like in the military, your career is like obviously your legs, man. You got to be able to ruck and run. And I was like, bro, how, how are you going to recover from this? Because breaking bones or tearing anything is a hard recovery. They ended, up, they ended up processing them out because of injuries, which. Sucked, you think? But, well, yeah, but I'm like, why would you? Why would you play that sport? Oh, if you're yeah, that's, that's why that. I stopped. My buddy yeah. broke his ankle, and it was just like, all right, yeah, I'm. I'm yeah, I'm man. If, if you want to make it. a yeah, if you want to make yeah. a career out of it, like it's tough. Usually, though, so I, on the scale of sports injuries, rugby's actually very far down. I think it's like twelfth yeah. because typically the way you hit. Instead of throwing your whole body, leave it. You can't leave your feet in rugby. I was always penalized for leaving my feet because playing undersized linebacker, I was just like a fucking missile. I would just throw <laughs> myself into everything. And because I mean, in high school, I was five seven, one eighty five, playing you know, four A ball. And what in linebacker East did you play? Will I was okay. weak side. And so yeah. So, so did the Mac just like throw you? Like, yeah. Midget tossing. Like, <laughs> 
get over the line. Here we go. Yeah, and then I would I would play I played a little bit of nose guard too when we go down in like our sixty formations, and I would just I was small smaller and quick, and I would just shoot the gaps, you know, and penetrate. Um, usually, I would end up getting tackled by my damn cowboy collar by the fucking defensive lineman. But <laughs> but yeah, so. In rugby, you're hitting a lot different. So you're usually making contact, and you're using that person's momentum to kind of like go down. It's not like in rugby is not a game of inches like football, where you got to stop that person's momentum. There's constant turnovers, so the balls in play. It's a lot more like soccer, to where in that regard, to where the ball is moving a lot. So like those inches don't matter like it does in football. But I just I never really learned that, and I would always just it was, I was entertaining to watch. Everybody loved watching me play because I would smash my face I, I never finished a game without like black eyes and a bloody nose but on your point about playing hurt you can't so if you sub out of a rugby this has nothing to do with hunting lifting or eating but whatever we'll just keep, <laughs> keep rolling with it does, it it does lifting it's athletics yeah it's so true it's like, I mean all of these sports you have to lift to be efficient yeah no, that, that absolutely it, it's an overall fitness thing but if you leave a rugby game you can't come back in yeah and so there's no subs. Oh. Yeah. So there's no substitutes in rugby. You get a blood sub, and you've got, I don't remember the time, but you get a certain amount of time to get the bleeding to stop. And if you can't get the bleeding to stop, you're done. And so, like, I can remember, like, my coach would keep those, like, mini tampons, and he would shove them up my nose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. the, and then to, to get the fucking blood to stop or, or cotton balls, he'd be stuff, shoving cotton balls in my nose, playing games with my nose clogged, just breathing out of my mouth. That's probably why I have sleep apnea and snoring. Now. <laughs> the, the Galveston <laughs> rugby crew came into the cigar bar that I was working at for the, like, they're like into your party and they were swapping stories. And I overheard them giving shit to like the old guy that was with them. Not, I say old, he was just older than them. And the dude had like, scars on his ears and they brought up the story they were talking about it mid game the dude like rips his ear and I guess it was a blood timeout and he runs to his truck grabs his staple like handheld staple gun out of his toolbox staples his ear back to his head puts tape on and just goes back out the dude I played with had his ear halfway torn off and taped it yeah he just just put it back on he's like fuck it that's crazy man yeah, yeah. My my big thing is like I don't know, man. I feel like on the podcast with you and uh, you and Perry and uh, your, your other cousin uh, Evan, right? Yeah. Uh, y'all y'all just cover like the hunts so much that like what what am I going to ask you? You know, type of thing. Like yeah. you're going to cover the same thing you talked about two two weeks ago, right? So yeah, it's probably a good. Yeah, it's get a different. A little different change of pace. You got different guests. That's Absolutely. Absolutely. What, what is what is your next adventure in the sporting field outside of? Because you're going to run a marathon, and you said June or July, right? Uh, June sixth. Yeah, I'm doing the fifteen hundred pound shooting for. Though actually, I'm far more on track to hit that than I. I, am. I, I think I think it's easily doable, man. Yeah. It, it is. But um, for, like what? So the outside, marathon is not going to be easily doable. No. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, there's no like, like I get. Why you're doing it, you know, it, you got to accomplish it. But look, only one guy ever needed to run a marathon, and that guy died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So just think about that. When you're thinking about your next sport, you should just come over to Strongman like we were talking about earlier. Is, is that something that you, you would entertain as Strongman, or you just want to go, like, what is your general fitness route, or is it all-encompassing? Yeah, so right now, while I'm still in the military, it's definitely all-encompassing because I have some goals within my job right now. That required me to really focus on the endurance side of things. Um, and I haven't been doing that recently, hence why I'm probably 15 pounds overweight as I sit here and smash shiners. <laughs> and so that was kind of one of the 
reasons I decided to do the marathon. It's a forcing function for me to make sure I'm running and cutting weight. I'm really so I'm, I've got to go to the National Training Center at the end of this month. So when I'm leaving, I'll be gone the entire month of April. So I have about five to six weeks out there. Where's yeah. that at? Uh, Fort Irwin, California. So middle of the fucking desert, just shithole. Sounds awful. Yeah, it's going to be... I mean, I say, you know, everybody bitches about that kind of stuff and say it's going to be miserable. Honestly, it's some of the best training on the planet because you're... There's a uh, there's units at these... They call them CTC rotations. I actually don't remember what CTC stands for offhand, but it's... Uh, there's units that are stationed there and they're the opposing force. So their whole job is to fight like the enemy. Like even when they come to work on a normal day, they're wearing different uniforms. And so they kind of are in the immersed in the, in, in our different enemies tactics. So like at NTC, you're kind of focused on sort of a Eastern Bloc Russian kind of threat, which you'd see like when the annex of uh, Crimea and then Georgia, the Ukraine type shit. And so you're fighting that kind of hybrid warfare that the Russians uh, fought or the tactics that they use. That was crazy, by the way. Yeah. Oh, it's wild. We were talking about that with the, the EW stuff and how they yeah. were able to utilize um, and hack into all the U- Ukrainian soldiers' cell phones. That's a really big push for us is to kind of break the mentality of our soldiers having internet and Wi-Fi and cell phones, you know, when you go out into these missions. Because in Afghanistan, you can have fucking Wi-Fi on your on mission because you have, like, the – it's called the Roshans. They're, like, the, the – well, I won't say that word. They're they're the Afghan phones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's keep it a little. Yeah, a little they're, they're the safe. Afghan yeah. phones. And uh, so it's, it's like frowned upon to live stream missions, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's really. But dude, unless, unless you, that you joke about that, but like that shit happens. Like yeah. guys will tweet about, and then uh, they'll leave their fucking geolocation on. Fuck, dude. Real story. I'm gonna call out the fucking Marine Corps on this one. Our guys are out. They're attached to a Marine unit. We were doing uh, security for... Um, what unit was it, Dino? I don't remember. All I imagine is some guy like like about to bust the door down. He's sitting there swiping on Tinder in the middle. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> you, would be, you would be surprised what these motherfuckers We do. had a problem with guys doing... Because Pokemon Go became oh a thing God. while I was on deployment. I was in <laughs> Afghanistan when Pokemon, Pokemon Go was a thing. Oh. And our soldiers... Would like leave the barracks like out on the fob, like get close fucking charge. And like our perimeter doesn't didn't have. We were like in the middle of the desert, and the the perimeter of where I was. Uh, never mind. I'm not gonna get into any of that. I probably yeah. shouldn't talk <laughs> yeah, about that yeah, shit. Yeah. But but basically, you could if you wanted to wander off, you could. And yeah. these fucking dipstick soldiers are out there like chasing Pokemon on their phones, <laughs> wandering off into the desert. And you're like, what? No, like we'd have to. We had to do briefs, and I'm we're briefing these guys like, hey. Don't pay Pokemon Go in any area that's not like the like safety zone near the NWR. Do you have a copy of that PowerPoint? Oh, I, I don't think oh, it was a PowerPoint, man. but I wish I did. I, I think that happened right whenever I was in Romania, man. And uh, so 2016 is whenever Pokemon yep, Go yep, dropped. I was, was, was in Afghanistan. Yep. Dude, we I remember having to give briefs on this because I was I did signals intelligence and like I had to give like capabilities, like capes and limbs of what people can get from this, man. And it was. You would just see dudes walking around like zombies. Their phone in their hand. And Not looking up at all. Oh, man. See, looking at the world through the strengths. That's yeah. how you found, I found the Pokemon. I yeah, guess. man. And I'm like, what the fuck are y'all doing? Because, like... I'm 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 sorry. I didn't I'm not even here to think that games. would be a problem until y'all like mentioned that. Oh I could my see that god, being a huge problem. Well, it's so annoying. And it's a it's a big deal. Um, so to go down another rabbit hole, like in when the Russians moved into Crimea, what they did was, so they're, uh, they're basically, 
they've got these drones, right? That's we call them the ours are the Ravens, but theirs have EW capability, so electronic warfare capability, down to like the company level. Yeah. And so they go out and they can actually hack. And so they would send they could send out mass text messages. And so what they did is they would send out a mass text message to everybody within a certain like geographical range, and they would say, "This is your commander. I'm abandoning the post." All is lost. They're coming, or some crazy shit like that. Yeah. Then, if those people responded to that number, there'd be some sort of link. I don't understand how all this shit works. It's way over my fucking head. I'm just a dumb grunt. Well, it's like when, it's like when, like on just on Craigslist, like that's one of the big Craigslist scams right now. Yeah, they just, they need you to get you to respond like, or hey, send your shit. Yes. Yep. And so once that link's made, now they it would open up access to the phone, and then what they did was they sent text messages to every contact in all those people's phones saying your soldier has been killed. So it's just a spider web. So exactly. And then as soon as that got sent out, what did all those family members do? They called that number. Right. Now all those numbers get a phone call at once. There's a massive uh, electronic signature spike where these brigades are located in TAAs, tactical assembly areas, and that shit shoots up. And then what do they do? They call in indirect fire. They've got masked. And they just decimate entire brigades within minutes. So you're saying, all based off of the operational security aspects of guys having their cell phones. So you're saying instead of sending the message like your commander saying abandon all is lost, they were sending, "Hey, we found a Pikachu two clicks west. Like, <laughs> let's meet there and go get it." <laughs> well, it, yeah. Well, I mean, and our guys weren't doing anything like that crazy. And obviously, the the, the t- Taliban doesn't have the capabilities that the Russians do. But what it comes down to is just like guys not having situational awareness or wondering out or like having their cell phones and getting used to the idea of like always having that access. And guys will post shit not thinking about it where they'll take a picture of like, oh, hey, here's this beautiful Afghan sunset. But then in the frame, there is something flying by that shouldn't be on picture. Right. Or there's a piece of some sort of uh, signals intelligence equipment. Like, you know, there's just certain things that we can't. Yep. I'm gonna have to listen back to this podcast like twice when I'm not drinking <laughs> yeah, to make no sure shit, what, what I'm talking about. Yeah. But like, I'm pretty sure we're good. But yeah, yeah. I'll definitely listen back to it a couple I'm sure times. We'll get a text message if not. Yeah, <laughs> get yeah. a phone call. From no, work. I think th- this is all uh, no foreign. Uh, let, let me think of some classification. Yeah, <laughs> open open source. Uh, make sure no Russians are listening. To <laughs> yeah, but. Oh, more to listeners. Yay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not picky on our listeners. No. We like Russians too. Yeah, whatever. They can make good vodka. We have a lot of Canadian listeners, but, I mean, they're NATO, so that's fine. Yeah. But, yes, I mean, there's just a lot of things that a lot of guys don't think about. They hear, like, oh, I can't take my phone. Like, why not? And leaders in the Army do a very poor job of messaging. Like, I think if you pull pull everybody in and we say, hey, like, yeah, you can't bring your phone inside the box. The box is, like, what the training area is called for, like, NTC or JRTC. And it's not because we don't want you guys to be able to contact home. It's because of this. This is what happened in the Ukraine. This is the tactics the enemy's using. Then at least everybody's, like, Oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. We can't do this. Because what was happening, uh, I was at JRTC, which is where the light infantry usually goes for their, like, big training event. And it's down in Louisiana in Fort Polk. And that was when Snapchat did that big update where you could see the locations. And it automatically put everybody on there. Well, what the Op 4 guys did was they grabbed their, their phones and looked on Snapchat and then did it to search all, and they pulled everybody that snuck their phones into the box, had Snapchat, the update hit, and they didn't realize it, and they were calling indirect fire based on 
those Snapchat locations, which is brilliant because that's exactly the type of shit that the Russians do. Yeah, yeah, and that comes down to what like a that comes down to like a, a uh, shit man, like a grid square essentially with it within a click within like a hundred. Oh, dude, that will take you down to a house. Yeah, really. The Snapchat. Oh, really? You take that Snapchat. So I have friends. I'll, I'll text like I have buddies that are like in you know doing like. SF buddies and one of them I was like dude you're opsex shit and he's like what are you talking about and I sent him a screenshot of I zoomed in on this I make sure mine's off and I check it to make sure nobody that I because like people don't realize the Snapchat thing if you don't pay attention to it and I zoomed in on my buddies and I literally took and I've been to his house like it was showing him zoomed in in the exact house on his street and I took a screenshot and I sent it to him (laughs) yeah yeah dude that's crazy I didn't realize it it went down to the house because I'm not fucking I've got That's no why reason. I deleted like, it. I'm, yeah, I deleted I'm Snapchat. I'm off Facebook. I'm off Twitter. The only thing I have is Instagram because, like, I don't, want... I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm. I don't feel like I'm important enough for people to be like trying to find that shit. But I don't want it anyway. I wake all my buddies up with a good morning dick pic, hundred <laughs> percent, all the time. Do you mix in like celebrity ones like that aren't yours? <laughs> no, no, dude. It's just me windmilling them, and they're like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" I'm like, "Hey." I miss you guys. <laughs> Good morning. Oh man, what? A, I, uh, I wish what, you were my only friend that did that shit. <laughs> <laughs> did, uh, I, well, I going back to the you know the hunt, lift, eat thing, that problem is you know conducive of the problems in people's training and people's hunting. They get too comfortable, and so they they don't they're not aware of the problems that are going on. So if you're comfortable in your workouts and you're not challenging yourself you're not going to go anywhere if you're comfortable in your hunting technique and you're not trying to learn anything new those animals are going to get smart they're going to learn what you're doing and they're not going to show up the time that you're there or in the spot that you want them to yep you might get the newer ones but and it's just it's the same problem it's a different medium but it's the same problem you can't get comfortable yeah i mean complacent i mean it's very cliche and you hear it all the time in the military but like complacency kills yeah and it, it's it's true across really anything. Honestly, so the camp I was just at, it's all like military guys. I'm the only guy that's still in active duty. It's all like vets and all these guys. Most of the guys are soft, uh, special they, operations. Were they like making fun of you, like waving their 214s in front of you? Like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> no. All these guys probably, if they could, they'd go right back in. You like that? Oh, that smells so it's good. It's really good. Yeah, this can, this Shiner uh, candied pecan, does it taste like pecan pie? Dude, they're it's mm. it's the best thing that Shiner's come out with besides regular Bach. Dude, did oh, you have good. the Shiner yeah. birthday? The birthday bash was like a chocolate cake. I've had everything that Shiner's come out with, and I actually have a Texas State. Uh, it's one of those beer tab things where you fill the state yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Tab. My buddy Trey, I was the best man at his wedding. He gave that to me, and I've got only Shiner tabs in it. So I need them to come out with new styles of beer oh, because dude, it's just one. Great tab for each beer did you try it 50 yeah. 60 yeah it's oh, good this is good yeah i don't think i could drink 10 of them because no, they're no, no, sweet no. as hell originally good. when it came out it was part of a i think a cold front pack or something that they did yeah. where it's like six sampler beers. yeah yeah it and it's great for them because that's how they test products yep it did great everybody was wanted so this year it came out in 12 packs and in six packs and stuff like that oh, yeah that's this good, good. This their uh sure. their cold brew one is one that you could drink a few of time yeah, yeah. But yeah, like the complacency thing, like I was saying, the uh, or like you were saying, we're at this camp, so you've got, you know, all these special operations guys, these old vets, everybody, and we're we're running pigs with dogs, stabbing them with knives. It's a fairly high risk, you know, endeavor as far yeah. as somebody getting hurt. 
yeah. Honestly, I would say if I was going to look at it, the, the highest risk would likely just be from getting like cutting yourself. Yeah, that's um, you're, you're, yeah. You can mistake. That. Yeah, like, you know, and so yeah, <laughs> and so whether or not it happened where or if the pigs move in, like. You've got pointy objects going into into things. There's a high likelihood of, of something going wrong. And pigs have, obviously, you know, the especially the boars have have the big tusks. And so we all know, like I I carry like a cat tourniquet in every bag I've got, but some of these guys had actual trauma kits. Well, we roll out to go, and we're all out. And then this this old fella, he was in the he was special forces back in like the 70s and 80s. He's like, did anybody pack the the aid bag or the trauma kit? And we're all like, uh. No. Ten guys. I mean, out of the group of dudes there, I mean, there's probably 20 the years. guys that you would think would have yeah, tw- 20 years of, like, combat experience, uh, uh, at least. I mean, 20 of, of years in country, and nobody grabbed the fucking trauma kit. You know, and it's just, and everybody, and it's, fuck. And so, of course, you know, dude runs back to the back to the lodge to snag the kit. But it's just, it's very easy for that type of shit to happen. You get up, you get your amps, you're trying to go, you're running late. That, that morning, everybody was running late, and so trying to get on and so complacency can it can be a problem and whether it's same with your tactics with your training with your preparedness with all that kind of shit that's something that you should add to the recipes that should make it onto the site one day is what do you keep in your kit like Like trauma like med kits yeah like your med Mm -hmm. kit what do you take like so if you're going western style hunting if you're going to go chase elk in colorado or you know wyoming or whatever or if you're going to go chase pigs like what should you have in your kit you know from Personal experience from you know guys that you know have been doing this a lot longer. Guys yeah, you talk to like I focused on stop the bleed. Like I'm not a fucking doctor, um, and so like me when I go into the backcountry, I want to pack light anyway. So I, I have a cat tourniquet, I have gauze, and I have tape. Yeah. And with those three things, I can stop the bleed, and I can get you know at that point it's about getting somebody as quickly as possible, getting them out and getting them to. That, that's like a helo. simple, simple I fact with yeah. like, uh, dude. May, maybe, maybe depending on what the terrain is, even even like a small splint setup. See, if, I don't worry about splints because like you can do a field expedient splint yeah, out of you, a lot of shit. Yeah, exactly, trekking yeah. poles, yeah. sticks. You got that tape, and so I take. Uh, oh fuck me! I can't remember the name of the tape. It's gonna drive me crazy. Uh, you talking about K tape? No, not not like the not the. Like physiological, not the, not the tape that you like having. So I, like, I was like, that doesn't seem like what you would want. <sighs> Fuck, it's gonna drive me crazy. I'll, I'll think of it. But there's this tape that's extremely durable, and it's, and it's honestly really multi-purpose. I keep. Oh yeah, duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's better than duct tape for for the the versatility. But I'll keep a roll of it. Like I, I take the roll on the cardboard and I pull it off, and then I roll it off because that saves weight. And yeah. then I also take around my trekking poles. I'll split it in half and do rolls on the poles. And then I will do also a strip usually on my Nalgene. And so then you've always got tape right there, very quickly accessible. And then you don't have like a big roll at somewhere that you can't find. And it's just enough to kind of get you to work whatever you need. Yeah. Do you have one of those tactical Nalgene's like with the, the cover on it that's got all the, the Molly buckets? No, I just have a normal, <laughs> yeah. normal Nalgene with the you can make sticker on the side of it. tactical if you want to. And I say that just knowing all the how my need. Jeep is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, did y'all see? Would y'all see the back seats? No, but I it's saw your alligator front seats. 
<laughs> I was like, this dude, you look like you're coming out of, uh, I don't know, fucking Well, the whole magic thing is, Mike's like, if I put it in there, Magic Mike, how does that have to do with anything? Because he, he's a country boy, work, and they always wear... Uh, don't you be talking bad about Matthew McConaughey, not in this state. Yep, him. Mm. Exactly. That man's an icon. <laughs> uh, he's, he's something. That's I hope something. he runs for governor and The Rock runs for president. But, uh, but look, you, you had some questions... From people, right? That you want to want to answer? Yeah, we're coming up on an hour and a half, so we'll probably yeah. hit like two of these. Yeah, and then what we'll, you can do we'll wrap it up. A part one and part two podcast, and edit out one of edit one to be like all the hunt, lift, eat related stuff, and the other one just like just the bullshit other stuff. It, yeah. Yeah. Called bullshit. Yeah. yeah, we might do that. I might I might have to that play with good, this one. Then you could you know people that want to hear the true podcast, yeah. and then the people that really want to hear we might what do that. Talking about yeah. actually, what we'll do is. We'll just wrap this one up. We'll break and then we'll go into Q and A. That we'll works. Do a, a yeah, second episode. yeah, that that works. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just tried to hit. Like, I got I got a couple topics written down. Well, I have one one I wrote, to- <laughs> one topic. I wrote three words and it was intro, Caleb, me. That <laughs> that's close to that's mine. All I wrote. Down. That's close to mine. Intro, Caleb, Garrett, and then topic. <laughs> we- I wrote a uh, intro, Caleb, Garrett, competitions, bodybuilding, strongman, hunting. And I don't think we, we really went full circle on anything. Dude, like, we, we, this is just the most yeah, popcorn not, podcast on look, the planet. Look, I've had, I don't know, one, two, ten, ten beers. But those are the best, though. Like, when I'm listening to the podcast I like, when I'm listening to, like, Unnecessary Roughness, like, they stay on topic of college football, but they have, they get off on tangents. Oh, yeah. And, and that's what I love about where we're at. And I, I've kind of put that out as, like, I mean, we were talking about it earlier. You're like, yeah, you and Perry can just fucking talk. And it's like, yeah, because we've been doing our whole fuck. Me, Perry, and Evan will just sit. We've been best friends our whole lives. Like, we'll just yeah. sit and talk. And That's like, awesome, man. We don't ever stay on the same topic. And if, if people don't like that, then sorry. Like, go, go listen to something <laughs> else, man. Go to a different podcast. Yeah, listen to a fucking organized-ass yeah. podcast because yeah. that's not what you're going to get from us. No, and I think that's the whole feel of the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast is like, and, you know, with the the culture and the group that we're trying to create with the brand is like, these are guys you want to sit around a campfire, have a beer with. These are guys that you want to go work out with. These are guys that you're hanging out with. And you know, you want people to feel comfortable enough to listen and think like, okay, I'm probably going to get a chance to hang out with these guys one day if they're in town. And I mean, that's the goal, right? Yeah, for sure. Meet the listeners and hang out with everybody and just, you know, especially if you're going somewhere and you need a place to stay for a hunt one weekend. Yeah, like, yeah man. Hello, does anybody have a room in uh, Wyoming <laughs> that I could use? I'm here to kill something and I'm lost. <laughs> Yo, for all on a, on a real note, man, if any if any of our listeners are out there that uh, are coming to Texas, man, hit me up. I've got plenty of rooms. I've got no issue hosting people up uh, last minute trips, even if I'm not going to be hanging out with you. I don't, I don't give a shit, man. Like, I'm a, I'm a very I'm probably the most personal guy that you can get around with man so always hit me up too i don't care we'll go we'll go to my land and shoot some pigs whatever it doesn't matter to me and if you want to do deadlift i will make you cry <laughs> <laughs> like the texas titan gabe pena i bought the same pin from mike bartos that gabe had designed for his training and i was like gabe where do you get that he's like i had that special made he's like won't you text mike and see if he's got it he, mike still had the plan so he made me the same one that gabe uses it's the one that we used in South Texas Strongest Man. It was super fun. It's one of the worst but best training tools that I have is that pin. And it's, what is it? It's a Ukrainian deadlift pin. So Mike Bartos has his loading pins, mm-hmm. but this one has a big base to it. 
then you could put explain explain the Ukrainian deadlift. So the Ukrainian deadlift is it's a deficit deadlift, but you're pulling in between your feet. And the way that I understand it was it's based on the quarry rock work that goes on in the Ukraine. And so you had a chain that ran down and was attached to a stone. And you had two guys on each side of a column. Each of them had what looked like, I guess, like a piece of rebar with a hook on it. And one guy would reach down as far that he could, grab a link of chain, deadlift up. And he'd hold. And the guy opposite him would do the same thing until they got that rock from the bottom to the top. And then they just do it again. And so for us, it transfers over. And so you're deadlifting from in between your feet at a deficit and you're on a platform. Uh, you can, I think I use Rogue. Uh, they're the blocks that you use when you're doing like cleans and jerks. Yeah, yeah. What? I can't think of the name Snatch of it. Snatch box. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. you stack those up and you stand on each side of it and you put them on your feet. You can make your own platforms, whatever. Yep. But those are the easiest ones to just get. Yep. And you, you just pull from the bottom. And it's it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big deficit. And like Gabe, when we did South Texas Trunks Man, he was like, all right, we're doing Ukrainian deadlift. Most reps in a minute. <laughs> it was like 500 pounds. I think I cranked out 12 of them. Oh, I was taxed. But... I did that and I started when I was training it I noticed my regular deadlift shot up just it just it changed the game and so it was one of those variations that I wasn't doing because it was a pain in the ass to train it was a pain in the ass to set up because I was at the time training for it I was stacking tires and putting a piece of plywood over them actually well, it was washer boards because I didn't have plywood at the time I was just standing on all the stuff doing a deadlift from as far down as I could reach, but it carried over to the rest of my training really well. And that goes into the, what we were talking about earlier was foundational training versus the variation training. Remember you were talking about guys that are getting into it. They don't need to be worrying about, you know, high pulls on certain things or deficit deadlifts. They just, if they want to get better at deadlift, go fucking deadlift. Yeah, exactly. And the guys that were asking you, like, hey, I need to, I need to get better at push-ups. What should I do? Do fucking push-ups. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're like, Mac, like, you just are hitting this massive plateau at, at, at what seems to be your peak. You don't need to switch shit up. But yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap this one up though, and we'll just jump over and kind of pick up right there and roll into some of these listener questions. Yeah, that works. So you. You guys have any last minute thoughts on this episode? You can edit it to make it sound like whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll, we'll we'll play with it a little bit. Honestly, I don't really edit. I, I'll clean up things and we step on each other and stuff. And there's probably going to be a couple little segments of this that I clean up, but <laughs> <laughs> like the rock eating baby. Yeah, we'll probably cut that one out entirely. That one just got weird. I don't know what the fuck Kayla okay, was talking he's about. W- he's weird. That's the Shiner talking. He's weird. He's not weird. He's one of the greatest people on the planet that eats babies. No. Good, good <laughs> lord. All right. We're going to end this one. I'm not even going to give you guys closing <laughs> comments. We're done. Thanks, y'all. I appreciate it. <laughs> Follow us on Hunt, Lift, Eat, and Official. Jesus Christ. At Hunt, Lift, Eat, Official. <laughs> oh, yeah. Caleb, throw your Instagram out. You forgot to oh, do that. Oh, oh, my Instagram is uh, shit, Jordan underscore outdoors. Without the shit. Oh, Jordan underscore outdoors. At Jordan underscore outdoors. I'll put it in the show notes. We'll, <laughs> we'll clean all this shit up. Thanks, y'all. <laughs>